Hello and welcome into the Gotta Be Saints podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Gotta. Join me each week as I tackle life's most important question How do I become a saint? Today's podcast is called Keeping Our Family Safe Online. I have with me Michael DeStefano and Kailish. I am not going to try to say your last name. I'll let you both uh, introduce yourselves here in a second. Uh, but we're talking about keeping our family safe online. And our sponsor today is Good Catholic. Good Catholic is a Catholic media company that provides wonderful content and video series for the whole family. Check them out at goodcatholic.com. Use code GATA for 25% off your order. Uh, as I said, I'm going to let you guys introduce yourself. So if you want to start uh, by just doing that, then we can we can get going here. Kailash, why don't you go ahead first? Sure. So my name is Kailash, last name Swami. It's a South Indian background, but I was born in Florida. So I got this difficult last name, which was definitely a challenge growing up. If the uh, substitute teacher came in, that was a difficult day in school when they had to do the role for the attendance. Um, but it was it was a great it was a great thing that my parents moved from India to the United States, and I was very fortunate that, um, unlike I would say most immigrant families who choose to live in these larger metropolis areas like Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, Bay Area, my parents through whatever decision-making actually lived in a pretty small town in Florida. And that was a great experience for me to get a very American upbringing. And it was a huge part of my journey to be open to American values. And it turned out to be Christianity. So I converted to the faith as an adult and I came from the Hindu background of my family and Part of the ability to do that was growing up in a place that was very Christian and I was exposed to people and and those values. Um, It was something normal to me. And after I left Florida, I moved eventually after graduating college to San Francisco, where I was the founder of a variety of technology startups, all of which failed except for one. (laughs) <laughs> and that one was called uh, Pantenex, which is a product that I would be very surprised if anyone in your audience had ever heard of or used. But it was a product for firms on Wall Street, financial firms to automate manual data entry. So it's one of these kind of extremely boring utility pipes that was very valuable for these financial firms to move data that they would get on PDFs into their accounting system. So we would virtually read files, essentially. So rather than pay people to look at them as human beings, we would we created artificial intelligence, which could do that automatically. And that business, thanks be to God, we were acquired last year. So since then, I've been working on a variety of projects, including FIDE email, which we're going to talk about here. And that's sort of how Michael and I got started working together. But Michael, I'll let you do your introduction too. Sure. Yeah. Like um, like Kailash, I grew up in a, a small town, um, not in Florida, but in New Jersey. As a lot of people who have name last names that end in vowel like mine and yours, uh, Brendan, uh, 
grew up in New Jersey. And um, I grew up without really any Christian upbringing. Um, I was technically baptized in a, not technically, I was baptized in a Protestant church, but um, my family didn't really go to church. And um, my dad was raised Catholic. My mom was raised Protestant. Um, and we stopped going to church. I probably went a few Sundays and then stopped because hockey practice was on Sunday. Um, and so I didn't really grow up with, with any faith. In fact, I became uh, quite an arrogant young person, uh, arrogant atheist, and I declared myself an atheist at a pretty young age. Um, and I was really into like Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris and all, all, those, all those four horsemen of the apocalypse as they like to self-style themselves uh, back then. And, um, and I ended up going to a Catholic high school. I was really into sports and um, the Catholic high school uh, had, had a good baseball team. And so I went for baseball, not for religion. Um, and I took to, you know, in, like I said, I was really arrogant. And instead of bringing the Bible to theology class, I'd bring Darwin's Origin of Species just out of protest. Um, and so I was really, really quite a jerk. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, I, I even joined uh, you know, in college where I studied computer science. I joined the Atheists, Agnostics and Rationalists Club. And I was a member there. Um, and I was just had nothing to do. Uh, with Christianity. Um, in fact, I, I did get into Eastern religions, however, which led me to study abroad in Japan, learn Japanese, because I got into Zen Buddhism. Um, and then I uh, ended up, you know, I'm fast forwarding a lot, but I ended up in San Francisco, which is where I met Kailash and, and had a, a very, very powerful conversion there. Um, we were both working in the tech industry and we met in RCIA uh, in San Francisco. And, um, and that's really the, the, the genesis of, of how, how we started. Well, first we became friends and then eventually you know, started working together on, on PETA. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's beautiful. I mean, I think we could probably have a podcast episode for both of you just with your stories. But uh, we're, here, we're here, of course, to talk about uh, something else. But I appreciate you both kind of providing that uh, uh, the the framework of of who you are, uh, which is what leads us today to talk about what we're talking about keeping keeping our families safe online. Um, as I as I mentioned to you, and as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, at at Gotta Be Saints, we focus on the question: How do I become a saint? And I'm hopeful that this discussion will help the listener achieve that, uh, and that it, it will help them desire sanctity in a, in a real way. So. Um, now that you've both introduced yourself, let's, let's just get it. Let's get to the topic at hand. Why does this need to be discussed? And in this format, feel free, either one of you, whenever you have something to say, uh, it's not, won't be a call on you format. So truly, uh, when you're ready, um, feel free, free, feel free to share. And just for clarification, the, the proposal is we should all be obviously striving for sanctity and sainthood. And the question is, how does a, how does keeping the family safe online help us in our sanctification journey? Is that right? Yes. And, and I mean, of course, personally, how does protecting myself as well? You know, it, it's not just towards the family um, because for some people who might be listening, they say, you know, I, I don't have kids. I don't have a family. I, I don't, what does this have to do with me? So, of course, we don't want to frame it so specifically. Um, I think, of course, that can be the bulk of our discussion, or at least a, a heavy portion of it. 
Um, but it also just pertaining to the individual who you and I, all three of us know how easy uh, it is to lose sight of protecting yourself through through the Internet and how necessary it is um, just for avoiding uh, those near te- uh, those uh, near what 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 word near am occasions. I looking for? Near occasions. Thank you. I was like, wait, why am I tripping? Near occasions to sin um, that are so are so prevalent through the Internet. So. It, it does that help a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Good. So I'll I'll dive in first. Um, I know Kyle has a lot to say about this, but um, you know, to me, I always go back to to the story of our Lord talking, um, and 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 saying basically, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. You know, I mean, that's that's a pretty extreme statement by our Lord, um, and it really gets to what you were saying to to avoiding the near occasions of sin. Um, to me, you know, I grew up with technology. I worked in technology. Um, technology has always been a tool for, for me. Um, and, you know, Steve Jobs, the late Steve Jobs used to like to say technology, a computer is a bicycle of the mind, which I think is, is very, a very good analogy. Um, but the problem is, like any tool, it can be abused. And technology, you know, in digital realm, especially on the Internet and stuff like that, it's much more than just a hammer. Right? It's a much more complex tool. It has a lot more um, capability and nuanced um, subtlety of how it can be abused. So, you know, a hammer, you can, you can kill somebody with a hammer, right? But it's, it's pretty straightforward. Are, are you hammering nails or are you hammering somebody's head, right? Like if you're using it properly or not. Whereas with, with a computer or a smartphone or, or the internet in general, uh, there's a lot of gray area um, and a lot of ways where the companies who run the technologies that we use have really poured a huge amount of money into incentivizing behavior that is not really leading us towards sanctity. Uh, it's leading us towards addiction, uh, um, spending more time, um, vanity. You know, a lot of the social media is gov- governed by vanity, essentially, um, and, and, and envy and, and things like that. And so a lot of these tools are built to, to suck us in. And so the way I approach technology is always, it has to be a tool that I'm using and the ends has to be derived elsewhere, right? The ends as a, as a Christian is for the greater glory of God, right? That's how we live our lives. And, and so that end, if you're always keeping that end in mind and figuring out, okay, how am I going to use this tool to help me achieve that end? Then it helps align it. But once you start allowing the tool to dictate the ends, um, I think that's where a lot of the problems come in. Yeah, I think that's that's really a, it's a great way to summarize how we look at it, that a computer or the fiber optic cables of the internet itself are amoral. They're not good or bad. It's the human agency that is behind it that kind of dictates whether something is moral or whether something is immoral, which is being done using these tools. And I think a huge thing that we talk about is billions, if not at this point, trillions of dollars are put into incentivizations and tools and um, distractions meant to lead us in the wrong direction. And those directions draw us away from God and draw us away from going into heaven. And I think everyone should feel confident using software but we need to kind of change where do we get the software from? What types of software are we using? We need to change our relationship with this marketplace so that we are doing things that are, um, 
you know, orienting us towards sanctity. I think besides our company, uh, an example that might resonate with, with your audience is something like Exodus 90, which is a software product, you know, by any kind of understanding of it. It's a content platform, in fact. So a content platform like that, which is geared towards, obviously, our sanctity, is distinct from a content platform like YouTube, which is not. And we need to have a better understanding of how do we spend our time and our resources in the online marketplace in ways that either support our spiritual growth or support, you know, the general Catholic ethos in this world and online. Yeah. Yeah. And if I could um, also say something here. So in, in the tech tech world, we, we have this sort of um, role called the product product manager and product developer. And in one of the, the, methods that, that we use in this field is you always ask the question, what, what's the job to be done? Um, and this is a really interesting question to ask because I think a lot of times we say, okay, how can we make social media more Catholic? Or how can we uh, use this Instagram or something and, and do it in a Catholic way? But it's really missing the point. Like go back to the beginning, like what problem are you trying to solve? Do you really need Instagram? Or do you, do you need social media? Like, what is the problem social media ostensibly solves is helping us connect with our family and friends, right? Um, but that's that's what you know. Like I said, ostensibly is supposed to solve. But can you solve can you solve that problem in a different way? Um, and so that's how we approach technology in general. Um, Kalash and I is we try to say, okay, what what problem is out there rather than just trying to um, replace something with a Catholic alternative or something like that? It's like, okay, what what problem are we trying to solve? And, and do we need technology at all for this? And if so, like, what's that technology look like? Um, kind of applying the principle, like a medical principle is the minimum effective dose, right? Uh, you want to use the, the least amount of medicine possible to solve your problem, right? And it's like, same thing with technology. You want to use the least amount of tooling and the least amount of technology possible to solve the problem you're trying to solve. But don't invent problems just to, to use the technology that you want to use. Mm, I like that. I like that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think for myself, I have to ask myself those questions too. You know, I run a, an Instagram page with this podcast and there's the constant question of what is the the need here and the purpose. And, um, you know, I, I follow a bunch of different pages too, and I see a bunch of different people trying to spread the Catholic faith. And, um, you know, my, my big thing, it always, and always will be hopefully God willing is to to never make it about myself, to make it about the Lord and and bringing people closer to Him. But at the same time, finding the practical ways to do that, as opposed to the vanity filled ways of doing it. I mean, uh, I don't know if either one of you is on Instagram or Facebook, but uh, you know, it, it's so easy to get on there and and you see people who spend most of their times creating these reels and these videos, and 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 some of them are super helpful and and beautiful, while others seemingly are made to get clicks and likes and there's nothing wrong with growing your brand and yet at the same time you know it's just uh, i think that common uh, bracelet that used to be worn in the 90s what would jesus do is is still practical and helpful when we look at these these certain things would jesus have been on social media maybe not maybe yes he would have met people there so probably but how would he have used it probably not the way that it can be used by so many. Um, so I think, I think these are just good questions to be asking. And I hope that anyone who's at home listening is asking themselves this because they probably found this podcast through social media. 
Uh, it, that's the that's the reality. And so at the same time, you know, how much time are you spending on social media? And also, you know, when every Lent, your uh, thing that you give up is social media, and yet then 40 days later, you get right back on it and do do the same thing again. Maybe there's something there that you're seeing it as a temporary fix as opposed to how do we create a relationship with this where it's a tool, as you guys are mentioning, as opposed to something that just is consuming and, and, it, and can be in a negative way. Um, I want to you know, go on to another question. We, we talk as Catholics just about the need to block out noise uh, so, so as to better hear the Lord. And I, I find myself, you know, typic, oftentimes with my, with my social media presence, kind of giving a uh, invitation to people saying, you know, pray more today or find yourself in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Because, you know, I have somebody for maybe maybe 10 to 20 seconds, you know, they read the post and they're, they're on to something else. But if I can get them thinking, oh, maybe I should, you know, do one of these, these helpful things, uh, I've, you know, hopefully gotten a few people to pray a little bit more or grow deeper in relationship with him. Um, and as I said, we, we have this need to block out the noise uh, so as to hear the Lord. How, how do you think the internet is, is causing these issues, but then also how is it being used positively? So St. Benedict of Nursia uh, used to admonish his, um, his monks, um, and he used the term Magyrovague. Magyrovague was a monk who had bounced from monastery to monastery and never really sat still. And I like to think that the internet is turning our brains into like mental gyrobates. You know, you, you can't focus on, on one thing because there's always something else. If you keep scrolling, you'll find something else. And like you said, you have somebody's attention for 10, 10 seconds or so. I mean, can you, can you have an effective prayer in 10 seconds? Yes. You know, like ejaculatory prayer, um, spontaneous prayer is, is good. But should that be the only way you're praying? No. Right. Um, and, and so... You know, I, I I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but but the tool, right? Like, there there's this um, there was this movement about a decade ago or something with companies like Meetup and, and things. And I think the slogan of Meetup was "Go online to get offline." And and I really always liked that slogan because you know, online wasn't an end in itself; it was a means to an end in this company's instance to to meet people with like-minded interests and stuff like that. Um, and so that's kind of how I think about it. It's like, okay, I do my job on the computer. I use the computer to correspond with people across the country or across the world. We're having a conversation. We don't live right now very proximate to one another. Um, and so technology is great for things like that. But if it's taking away from time where I should be, you know, like using this great analog tool that Our Lady gave us, right? Um, th this is far more effective than anything I could do for the faith uh, on my keyboard. Yeah, I think that the general rule of thumb is like, if there are products that require your time, then you have to be very, very aware of how much time you're spending on. I mean, it sounds like a tautology, but I think what technology does very poorly is monopolize our time. That's where we are really at the losing end when we spend an amount of time, which is more than we should, whatever that is. And I think there is an ordered relationship even with social media. There is an ordered relationship with these different content platforms. I think the issue is that our appetites exceed that. And there is so much that goes into 
facilitating that appetite and making it grow and grow and grow. Um, that's the disordered part of technology is that our appetite for content and time expenditure in these kind of like therapeutic ways is not good for us. But I would say the converse, it's very clear that the ability to access the writings and thinkings of basically all Catholic writers of all time, either for free or virtually for free instantly, that's very special. And I think I, I personally believe in the in the longest time horizon of the internet, like hundreds of years and centuries, these these things will fade away. You know, these things cannot continue. These um these platforms which are bad for us and these these appetites which are not that good. But I hope what is to stay is that access to meaningful and useful information instantly, very easily, um, without a lot of work. That's that's a huge thing. I think if the great saints and doctors of the church could access the writings of their predecessors at the ease at which we could, that would be a huge change. And, and that's, that's actually the, the benefit that we have living in this era is we, if we choose to block out that noise, we can find content like this platform or the content like this podcast or the writings of great saints very easily. I mean, like way easier than they could. So that's yeah. huge for us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that the ability to reach people today has never been greater. I mean, and, and easier. And that is a gift. You know, I imagine what St. Francis of Assisi could have done with the Internet. You know, it's like he could have hopped on and talked and shared the gospel message to millions. And yet at the same time, would people have been as receptive? You know, that's a it's a it's a question that we I think I think Bishop Barron of our time and some of these bishops who are who have these large media footprints. I I hope that Bishop Barron will be someone who's remembered that way. You know that like yeah. he really did use this platform to reach literally millions of people. I mean he was a he was an important part of my conversion and how many other Mind people are out there like that? Yeah. Mind oh yeah. There's there's so many. I mean Bishop Barron and Father Mike Schmitz and. Um, and, and of course, I mean, even the Pope in the sense of we have more uh, ability to be connected to the Pope than ever before. Um, you did make a, a, a point that I, I think was, is important. You talked about, you know, just how, how much time we spend, um, in, in this way. And I had a conversation recently with someone and we were talking about the art of excellence and just the ability and the need to pursue holiness in, in everything, which of course, then in a, more secular term could be just to seek excellence in, in our lives. And um, he was sharing a story about a priest friend of his and a woman said, you know, father, how do you have time to do all that you do? You know, he hears confessions, he goes to mass uh, or he says, <laughs> he says the mass. And then he was, you know, he's very fit and he works out a lot. And um, you know, he's just basically involved in the community in all these beautiful ways. And the priest looked at, looked at her and just said, do you watch TV most days? And she says, yeah, I probably watch TV every day. And he goes, me, I do not watch any TV. The average American apparently watches about five hours of television a day. And his whole point was not to, to say that television is evil, just like we're talking here about technology. I mean, you could probably clump that in the same category. And yet there is a, a point where we have found ourselves so busy with things that are unhelpful that we find ourselves not doing the helpful things. And I think, you know, you talked about St. Benedict and, you know, I brought up St. Francis 
these are saints who toiled. You know, they they were constantly at work seeking to do the Lord's will. And they probably would have had these things in their lives, and yet how they used them would have been pretty um pretty different than than what some of us uh can can find ourselves using them for. And so it's just again another another thing to just be thinking about. And um and it's funny you mentioned Saint Benedict or Saint Benedict with you know their vow of stability. And yet, you know, if these if these priests are bouncing between different monasteries, they're not even understanding their vow of stability. I mean, he his rule was so beautiful. It provides an opportunity for these men to grow in virtue, but in a way where they're not trying to change. And so um, so so too with us, you know, that vow of stability, which we don't none of us are making, and yet there's something to be valued in stability within our space in our faith and kind of not trying to constantly change and 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 be busied by a million things, but instead the stability of 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 staying faithful and remaining true to what we know to be uh, so important. Sorry, did you have something? And I, yeah, the one thing I was going to say is I think when we are able to cut out that frivolity and when we're able to cut out like the the usage of these 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 technology and these applications when we can say no to it, that's actually when we can finally unlock its power. I think mm-hmm. like that priest, the example that he said, being able to say no to TV, if if you're able to have an ordered relationship with the internet, I, I think it is a profound help in your sanctification. Because like I said, you can access the greatest materials of Catholic thinking and not be weighed down by these risks of spending too much time on it and kind of facilitating these things which draw away from your sanctity. And I think the same thing is true for for children or for, um, you know, high schoolers, things like that. Like, I think the ability to, for a child or a teenager to learn about the faith and be tutored and like, and be well-formed, it's the best ability today of any person, I would say, ever alive, that you can be well-formed in your Catholic faith today better than anyone. And yet, you just have to be able to deal with the risks because the risk is that you can fall away from it as far as you could, I think, too. Yeah. So if, if I could add one thing here, um, a lot of people in the tech world like speak, you know, um, speaking about technology as if it's a qualitative difference um, to, to what came before. Um, it, it's in a, another industrial revolution or something. But in reality, I, I think it's, it's, it's much more prosaic than that. It's much more of a quantitative difference. Um, it's, it's applying d- uh, newer technologies to facilitate existing behaviors. And this leads me to, to a heuristic that I like using. And I think this is a very useful mental model to approach these things is try to map the, um, technologies, digital technologies to what their analogs are in, in the real world. And so for instance, think of Twitter. If you imagine Twitter as a public square, right? Um, and you imagine, as Kyle was saying, all these encyclicals and great documents you can read as a library, right? Um, imagine the, the, like I said, the, the physical analogs of, of what we use online today. And then imagine yourself going from a public square to a library, to a public square to a library, back and forth, interspersed with like all these other destinations, you know, physical analogs. Um, do this exercise. Like you, you wouldn't get anything done, right? And yet that's what we do. And our, like we were created in the physical world, right? And and like I said, this is not a qualitative difference online. It's a quantitative difference. It's just enabling us to do it more quickly and more remotely. 
Um, but if you if you do this, it, it becomes humorous, right? If you if you do this mental exercise and think of how your behaviors would map to the physical analogs, and then it kind of shows the the, the craziness of, of of what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Why well, I think too, it it kind of now for all three of us and to anyone who's listening, too much has been given, much is expected has never meant more. You know, it's like uh, we we have at our fingertips, you know, all of these things available to us and you know we we talk about natural law as catholics and there's there's beauty there that with natural law it's been written on our hearts so so that for someone who was never exposed to the faith as a child they have the ability to come and learn about the faith um because it's there it's written on your heart so you guys both understand this probably uh in a more profound way than even i do i was you know raised catholic my whole life and very blessed in that way and yet you know, two now, uh, the the excuse to not know uh, our faith in a in a real way. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has to be a theologian, but just to know why we believe what we believe. It, it, as you're saying, so so specifically, it's it's right there at our fingertips, and we should take advantage of that. And uh, the tools out there are are incredible. And the one, I do have to add one thing to that, though, as a caveat is part of our faith as Catholics isn't simply about understanding or faith, right? It's orthopraxis as well, practice, the practice of the faith. And so, um, you know, we can learn a ton. And, and indeed, we, I've, I've learned a, a huge amount about faith online. But we ultimately have to practice the faith, and, and that happens offline. Yeah. Oh, for, yeah. For the most part. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And, and that's where I, I talk about this all the time. It's the, the beauty of the encounter. You know, we have to encounter our Lord. You look at in John... Uh, behold the Lamb of God, John the Baptist points out that Jesus is walking there on the water and the disciples are, are you know, they find themselves transfixed on who he is. They want to meet him. They journey with him. And in that gospel passage, it mentions the time of day. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. The whole point is when you encounter our Lord, you remember the details. And so too, you know, we, we as people, we can, we can know everything, but we actually have to know the Lord in a personal way. And that comes with not not just reading, but really spending time with him. And just like any friendship, you can read everything you want on a profile on a dating app. And yet you're never going to know if that person's right for you unless you go and meet them in person. And so um, this, too, uh, with our Lord, you have to you have to be with him in in a real way. Um, Unless you guys have any other thoughts, I'd like to kind of conclude part one. I think this was a really good uh wrap up and kind of hit on uh, a little bit. I think we can get into the weeds a little bit more, a little more detailed in part two. Uh, do you guys have any final things that you want to say about what we've talked about here? No, this is great. I'm good. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you for anyone who's listening. Uh, once again, our podcast sponsor is Good Catholic. Use code GATA for 20% off and also you can check out the Catholic company use code GATA for 20% off uh, any of their items as well. So thank you guys for listening and have a great day. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, click to subscribe. This is a good Catholic podcast. Visit goodcatholic.com for more information.